mighty, and I am grateful for the Lord Jesus. Amen. While our youngins get ready to go to Children's Church, I'll invite you to turn with me to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. If you would find verse 116. Psalm 119, verse 116 is where we'll pick up reading today. Aren't you grateful for the good Christ-honoring music today? Amen. I certainly am. That's one of my favorite songs. I told them earlier, I remember hearing it First Baptist Jacksonville, Florida a long time ago, and it has always ministered to my soul to remind me how wonderful and holy our Lord is. So I'm thankful uh, for the message through music today. So we'll open the Word of God and look together as we finish this stanza of Psalm 119, picking up in verse 116. If you found your place and able, stand with me as we honor the reading of the Word of God. Psalm 119, verse 116, here's what the Bible says. He says, Uphold me according to your word that I may live, and do not let me be ashamed of my hope. Hold me up, and I shall be safe. I shall observe your statutes continually. You reject all those who stray from your statutes, for their deceit is falsehood. You Put away all the wicked of the earth like dross. Therefore, I love your testimonies. My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I am afraid of your judgments. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray you'd add your blessing to the reading of your word today. God, I pray you'd help us to make known the unsearchable riches of your word. And God, that we would all grow in our understanding of the word of God today and our relationship with the son of God and that when we leave this place today we'll be closer to you than we were when we awoke this morning Lord we love you and we praise you in Jesus name amen and amen thank you you can be seated well it looks like everybody done okay on time change day today amen you know our nine o'clock bunch they were awake so that's good and y'all here and that's wonderful uh, the spring forward's always tougher than the fall back amen but I like the spring forward. That means it's going to be daylight longer. I like daylight. I've talked to you a lot about that several times, and I can trust you do too. We're going to dive right in here today as we continue talking about this stanza, verses 113 through 120 of Psalm 119. As the psalmist talked to us about engaging the enemy. Now, last week we talked about one major truth of understanding that Satan is our ultimate enemy. We do know that there are many under his work and authority that are helping him in that work, but he is our ultimate enemy. The psalmist talked about this, and this is our one major truth we talked about last week, verse 113 through 115. As the psalmist cried out for relief from the chronic pain that he was experiencing, he talked about a spiritual retreat, if you will, as he realized that he was surrounded by double-minded men and evildoers, uh, he realized these things and he had a tremendous disdain for those who were double-minded or, or evildoers who were causing great difficulty for him and others who sought to work with God. But he said, in spite of all of that, the last part of verse 113, he said, but I still love your law. He knew that the word of God was stable, it was solid, and it was trustworthy it was absolute, and he could put his all in all in the word of God. 
he knew that God would be his shelter. He'd be his hiding place. He'd be his shield, his protector, and his defender. And he knew that he could trust God in all things. And then we ended up last week by talking about the sincere request of the psalmist in verse 115. We talked about how he did not retreat from his enemies, but he addressed them and he stood firm on the word of God and how he spoke clearly to them because he understood that they were attempting to lure him away from the path of obedience for his life. He knew this. He knew that God had a plan for his life. God had a purpose for his life. And he knew that God had a pathway for him to follow. And he wanted to be true to that. Now let me say this to you today. God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. And God has a clear path that he desires for you to follow. And that path is cut with the word of God. We are led by the spirit of God. And we can trust him as we walk faithfully with him. And then we ended up there last week by talking about those things. And, and we talked, ended up talking about Psalm 1, the, blessed, the walk of the blessed man and how he's faithful to the finish. Now I want to pick up today in verse 116 as we talk about a second truth from this stanza, and that is this, that he talks about restoration from constant persecution. Now, he asked for relief from the chronic pain. Now he's asking for restoration from constant persecution. Now let me remind you in verse 113, the psalmist, as I told you, had a disdain for double-minded men. He referred to them as evildoers in verse 115, and these are the people who were working with our ultimate enemy, Satan, who were working to get him off the path in which God was leading him to walk. Now, this is nothing new, ladies and gentlemen. It's been happening since the Garden of Eden when the very first lie that was ever told in scripture when the serpent said to Eve you know why don't you take of this fruit and she said but no that's the one tree of all the trees in the garden we can eat but that's the one God said the tree of the knowledge of good and evil God said here's what he said God said in the day that you eat of that fruit you shall surely die and then here's what old Slewfoot himself said. He says, has God said that you will surely die? Here's what he did. He placed enough doubt in her mind that she would question the voice of God. Now, that's been going on since then. It's going on today. It's gone on in Scripture. We see it at all times. We see it in the lives of people who made a difference for the kingdom. We see it in a difference in the lives of those who made a difference by stepping out and trusting God. We know all too well the story of Nehemiah, how he was tested, tempted, and tried over and over by his adversaries to forsake what God sent him there to do so that he might appease those who opposed him. That's a dangerous place to be, Amen. But Nehemiah wasn't a politician. Nehemiah wasn't a peaser. He was a man on a mission from God. Amen. And because he was on a man on a mission from God, he didn't have to appease people. He didn't have to even worry so much about those that opposed him. He could keep doing what God put him there to do. So it's nothing new. In your daily life, there will be people in your path there will be problems in your path. There will be all sorts of things that will come into your life 
where people will attempt to lure you away. Satan will place and he will plant people who will try to lure you away from God's perfect will for your life. See, here's what the psalmist was being tempted to do. He was being tempted to compromise his convictions and by doing so, they placed a tremendous amount of pressure on him. Uh, pressure is something, and all of us have been living with a lot of pressure, especially in the past year. We've lived with a lot of pressure. We've lived with a lot of stress. We've lived with a lot of worry and a lot of anxiety and a lot of uncertainty. But through it all and through all the pressure that's on us, the pressure that was on the psalmist, he's helping us to remember that we never should compromise our convictions just to relieve the pressure. So what does he talk about? Well, he starts out in verse 116 by talking about some support for the suffering. Here's what the psalmist asked the Lord to do. He asked the Lord for help. Oh, Lord. I love what the psalmist said in Psalm 121. He said, I will lift my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord. Right here we see the same thing taking place as he's asking the Lord's help, and he's asking in two areas. The first is this. He's asking for help that God might uphold him. He's asking the Lord to strengthen him. He's asking the Lord to sustain him. And it's the picture of a believer leaning on the Lord for support and for rest. He knows that not only does he need strength, that all he needs support, but he needs rest that he might be restored so that he can remain faithful to what God has called him to do. The psalmist asked the Lord to give this to him that he might live faithfully every day for him. Here's what the psalmist said in Psalm 37, verse 23. He said, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Now, I'm going to talk about verse 24 in a second, but just stop there at verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his ways. That means that a man who walks with God and seeks after God can have his steps ordered by the Lord and in doing so, that man has great delight in following God. Do you ever hear people say, I tell you what, I've had to give up so much to be a Christian. I used to have so much fun when I was lost in sin and I, I used to have the best time and we used to have the best parties and all this kind of stuff and people just make out like they gave up all this fun for a life of drudgery. Listen to me. Following Jesus is the most joyful and delightful life you could ever have because all of that stuff that just brought you temporary pleasure, guess what it is? Temporary. But what he does for you is eternal. Amen? And the good thing is you can remember all of it. Amen? Hey, I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, it's a sad day. Some people talk about their past life like they miss it. <laughs> Amen? Oh, hear me. He said the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. I'm excited that God would love me, that he would save me, give me an opportunity to serve him. I'm excited that he would take a wretched sinner like me and clean me up and give me an opportunity to be uh, together with him in the work of the gospel ministry. Hey, I am delighted about that. Amen? And you should be too. And then he said this, though he fall. Verse 24 of Psalm 37, he shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, you will stumble in the journey. Sometimes you will make bad decisions. Sometimes you will make mistakes, but don't confuse your mistakes with your decisions. 
Mistakes are where you really have a mistake. But decisions are those mistakes that you repeat over and over and over. They're decisions. And when you make those decisions, there is consequence for the decision. But the good news is there is a place of repentance when we stumble and fall. But you will not find joy and delight in your journey if you don't repent. Here's what he's saying. When he does fall, the Lord upholds him with his hand. Then he says this. He says, I want you to uphold me, Lord, that I may live. He wanted to escape the life-threatening danger he was in. And many of the commentators and scholars that I read this week, they believe and agree that the psalmist literally felt as though his life was in imminent danger. He knew that only God was able to deliver him from the danger that was around him. I can remember standing in this very worship center last March 16th. March 16th was the day that everybody went to school thinking you was going to be there to Wednesday and found out this is it, you're going home today and you're going to be out till a few weeks, spring break, and then it just went on to where there was no possible return last year. I can remember standing in this worship center as we began to figure out how we were going to communicate and stay connected through social media and things like that and our website and all these different things and instituted calling posts and all these different things so we could stay in, in, in conversation with our church. And I can remember, Marty, we sang that chorus last week, Holy Spirit Rain Down. Marty, I can remember walking up and down these aisles last March 16th saying, Holy Spirit Rain Down. I can remember walking down these aisles singing, Lord, we need a fresh anointing we cannot borrow from yesterday. Come and feed us, Holy Spirit. Uh, teach us of Jesus, his will, his way. I remember crying out to God just one year ago, oh, Lord, take me, mold me, fill me, use me. Spirit of the living God, please fall fresh on me and this church and every pastor and church leader across this land because we don't know what to do. I told him in the first service, one of the things I praised God for was that our kids were able to go back to school. You know, we do live in a part of the country. We're pretty blessed on that. Amen. And I was glad that they were able to stay in school. And I'll tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, I told them in the first service, and I want to tell you again, and it's not just because I have a daughter that's a teacher and a wife who's working in the school system, but I'll tell you this. You ought to thank the people that serve in this school system because they went above and beyond and wore many hats and done whatever it took. People did, took, did jobs they don't normally do. They did all sorts of things. They worked very, very hard. You know why? Just to keep your kids in school. And I'm telling you, that's been a good thing. And not only that, we were able to compete in athletics. I don't know about y'all. It's pretty close to my heart. <laughs> not only that, because it's healthy. And we were able, I got kind of worried when we got into the winter months because, you know, like inside, like basketball and wrestling, which is close to my heart too, I thought it's kind of hard to wrestle somebody to social distance. It's like standing over there six feet away. I just pinned you. <laughs> no, you didn't. I pinned you. How do you know? I don't know. But if you'll come within six feet, I'll show you. And I mean, I mean, there was, there was I really, and all that was able to continue. We had a state champion wrestling team. Had some, brought some joy to us, right? Yes, 
Yes, it brought and, and God has just done some wonderful, wonderful things. But I remember walking through here saying, oh God, we don't know what to do. We've never seen nothing like this before. And God, unless you strengthen me, unless you fill me, unless you use me, I am a mess. Now I know I'm the only person that prayed like that because y'all are far too spiritual, right? All y'all had it figured out, right? <laughs> no, no, we all had a mess. None of us knew. But here's what the psalmist knew. He knew his life was in danger. You know what they were telling us last March 15th and 16th? 2.2 million people are going to die in this country from this fire. I don't know about y'all, that was sobering. And I have seen so many people that I that I know personally, that I care about, that I love. I've seen so many people affected by the terrible effects of what we call COVID-19. People who have witnessed their family members get very ill, be hospitalized, ICU. Some passed away and had to go to the funerals of their family members that they love. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a mess, but can I tell you this? Through it all, God has still been faithful. And do you know what I'm persuaded to believe? That even though he's been faithful yesterday and today, I can still trust him to be faithful tomorrow. God is good. See, it's God's word that provides support for us to remain faithful and strength to persevere through difficulty. Psalmist didn't want to quit. He wanted to live. And he wanted to live well. Hey, years ago, I was at a pastor's conference and some of you may have been exposed to the ministry of uh, the swan, Dennis Swanberg y'all probably met, he's kind of a funny guy isn't he? he, he's pretty funny he's really real funny, he tells some funny things, he pastored churches, he raised kids, you get lots of stories like that <laughs> I mean you really do and, and he, he had put together, I don't know if it was a series or whatever at that time or a book and he called, he talked about in that conference the difference between living and living well. And you know, some people are just existing. Did you know that? And that's not really living, is it? Just kind of getting through, just kind of trying to bide your time, just kind of spending your life and maybe wasting and not investing. The psalmist is saying this, I don't want to just exist. I want to live and live well. Then he said this, he said, Lord, do not be ashamed of my hope. Do not let me be ashamed of my hope. The Hebrew word for ashamed means much more than just being embarrassed. It's commonly used for humiliating defeats at the hands of the enemy. He does not want to be so humiliated and have his belief in God's word seriously discredited. Ladies and gentlemen, God not only gives us his word, but he gives us the strength to obey it. You know one thing I don't want my life to be and I don't want your life to be? One that would discredit the validity of the word of God. Not at all. The psalmist understood that evil men have no regard for the promises of God and he was willing to do this. He was willing to stake his life and reputation completely on God's promises. He was saying, nothing will matter. I will give 100% of my time, effort, energy, and focus to the word of God. I will sell my life out to the true message of God's word. There is no other truth under heaven apart from God's word. I'm just going to put everything I got on God's word. You know what a lot of folks would say? Got to be careful about putting all your eggs in one basket. 
I told him in first service, I remember when I left here to go to Georgia to pastor full time, I had another pastor's wife say to me, you mean to tell me you're going to go trust that church to take care of you? I said, Lord, no. You can't do that. Oh, you can't do that. You, you, that's a dangerous place. I said, well, ma'am, I'm not trusting the church. I'm trusting in the Lord because he's called me to do this. See, I don't know much about life, but I do know this about my own life, that regardless of whether you agree or not, I know without a doubt that the reason God put me on the planet was to preach this holy book. Most people say, well, you can't do nothing else. You might as well do that, right? No, that ain't true. I do a lot of things. But I know this. This is why God put me on this planet. I'll never forget. I should have told this in the first service that Sandy was here, though. I, I never will forget. And I may have told it before. If I have, y'all forgive me. You know, when you get 50, you start to slip here. Amen. All y'all that are over 50 are like, uh-huh. All y'all that are under are like, oh, me. <laughs> but I'll never forget, we came home one time, and it was at a hard time. And Angie was really discouraged. I was discouraged. And um, she sat on the back deck of her mom and daddy's house talking to her daddy. This is after he became a Christian. For many years, he was not a Christian. But I saw a radical transformation in his life. I saw, I saw him go 100 miles an hour for Jesus just like he'd gone 100 miles an hour the other way for many years. But when he sold out to Jesus and that picture of us shaking hands there in the picture was the day he was baptized. And uh, Angie would come home and she'd say, Daddy, I'm just ready for Brent to do something else. He stopped her. Now look, this was his baby girl, his pride and joy. And he... And it broke, I mean, it, it, but he looked right at her and said, don't you ever say that again. <laughs> she said, that's why, he said, that's why God put him on this earth. That's what God has called him to do, and don't you ever say a discouraging word again. <laughs> Hurt her feelings. <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was awesome. I, didn't, I wasn't even there when he told her, but he, but he told, she told me later after she got over it. But uh, he, uh, of course, that's when the joke began to say, I said, you know, we worked together in construction for years, and he thought he better succeed as a pastor because he's a mess everywhere else. But, <laughs> but you know, it's good when folks believe in you, amen? Amen, you need that. You need it so much. But the lady said to me, I told you, said, you're going to, basically, you're going to put all your eggs in that basket, the church, and trust the church thing. Ladies and gentlemen, I tell you what, it's not about that, but I have put all my eggs in one basket. You say, that's dangerous, Brent. You, you gotta, can't do that. But I had a wise preacher tell me one time, he said, son, if you're going to go all out for Jesus, here's what you're going to have to do. Yeah, you're going to have to put all your eggs in one basket, but you need to mind the basket. That's good, that's good advice. 
Put all your eggs, put all your stuff on Jesus, trust him for everything, and then mind your relationship with Jesus. Mind the ministry that he's entrusted to you. Keep your mind and heart focused on those things, and don't be ashamed, don't be afraid to stake your all in all on what God has called you to do. And I say this to you today as a church, don't ever be afraid when people say, are you just going to trust only in the Lord to provide for you? Absolutely. You know why? Because he has infinite resources where I have finite resources where I have where I'm weak he is strong and I am grateful for that you can put all of your trust and all of your belief and your all in all in Jesus here's what the psalmist was saying he sincerely believes that he was in a place that if God did not move on his behalf he was done ladies and I want you to hear me today as a church if all we have is a vision and a dream that can be accomplished based on what resources we currently have, then we don't really have a dream from God. <laughs> because the dreams that he puts in your heart and the vision he gives you for tomorrow are, are the dreams and vision that require his intervention, require him to show up. You know, it looked kind of foolish when Elijah was there with 400 and some prophets of Baal and they got a little contest going and they're crying out to their God and they're hooping and hollering and cutting themselves and Baal ain't doing nothing and Elijah starts to make a little fun of them and says, maybe he's busy. Maybe y'all need to yell a little louder. Then Elijah goes and the Bible says that he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down and when he laid the wood in order and he laid everything in order and cut the bull up and then he took 12 buckets of water and covered the altar till it filled the trench that went around. But when he called on God, he called on God not to glorify Elijah but that God would be glorified and that the people would see that he is God. Jesus did the same thing at the tomb of Lazarus. But when God sent fire from heaven and lapped up the offering and the, and the bull and the wood and the water and the dust, he didn't look silly anymore. Well, when Jesus walked to the tomb of Lazarus, they said he's been dead four days. It's too late. He stinks. There's nothing you can do. If you'd have been here on time, we wouldn't be in this mess. He didn't say anything other than, Father, I want these people to see. I want you to get the glory. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. It sounded silly till he came walking out. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me today. When we have a dream for tomorrow, a dream that stretches us and a dream that tests us, it may look silly. It may look like it makes no sense to an unbelieving world or even to backslidden people in the pew. Oh, but when God shows up and God does a great work, it may have looked silly, but it does it when he shows up. Golly, God is good. We need his intervention to accomplish our dreams. Then he talked about having safety and service in verse 117. He said, hold me up. It's the idea of giving aid plus refreshment. He prays with purpose. He prayed that he would consistently observe the Lord's statutes. He prayed that he might honor God's word every day of his life. He wanted to be consistent. Lord, there's such a lack of consistency in our church today. Let me say this to you, and I said it to our early bunch. I said it to you too. One of, the, one of the things the enemy has exploited in this pandemic was this. There was already a lack of consistency among God's people before the pandemic. 
people were inconsistent in attendance, inconsistent in praying, inconsistent in giving, inconsistent in all these things. That was been going on a long time. I'm tell you, the pandemic has exploded. You know why? Because it's put distance between us. Now I want you to hear me. I want you to hear my heart. I want you to hear me clearly. The danger in that is, is that's not what you were created for. You were not created for distance. You were created for closeness. You were not uh, created so that you could be apart, but that you could come together. You were created to have a relationship with a God and a relationship with other people. And the pandemic has exploited that and made it very easy for folks to say, you know what, I'll just get to it later. They're going to record the service. I'll watch it later. I, I like, I've heard, I've had people tell me, I like church in my pajamas and all that kind of stuff. And, but I, but, and that's fine. If you need to do that, that's fine. I'm not saying anything's wrong with that. I'm just saying be careful. Because you can get so used to that that it becomes normal and you lose your, you lose your understanding of a need of a relationship with other believers. Hey, God meant for us to gather together. If he hadn't a minute, he wouldn't have put it in his word, Hebrews 10, 25. He meant for us to assemble together. He meant for us to worship together. So as much as we can, we should. You know what this past year has taught me? I don't take one Sunday for granted. I don't take one day for granted. I don't take that I'll ever walk these steps again. This may be my last time to ever walk the steps and open the word of God. I'm going to give my heart and soul. I've had people say, Preach, must be kind of hard on you doing that back to back. No, no, it's really not because I'll tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. It's reminded me of the fact that this opportunity to open the word of God and tell people what it says is precious, it's holy and I do not take it for granted I want to be consistent so here's a question today the psalmist was observing all of God's statutes continually he devoted his life to the word of God, he knows the value of the scriptures is only defense he knows there are people that seek to destroy his life and destroy his testimony he staked, staked everything he had on the word of God. Here's the question. What about us? Who are we resting in today? Are we resting in the company we work for? I don't know if you've noticed. That could go away. <laughs> it could. Are we resting in our portfolio on Wall Street? Uh, this time last week, the year, oh my. Oh, are we resting in our retirement accounts? Are we resting in any other form of stability on the face of the earth? We can't. Who are we resting in? Who are we trusting in? Who is our hiding place? Spurgeon said this. He said, perseverance to the end, obedience continually comes only through the divine power of God. Then notice with me, if you would, in verse 118 and follow, under respect for consistent provision. He talks about how the fraudulent are rejected. You see that? In verses 118 and verse 119, he speaks of the judgment that is to come to those who forsake the word of God. Now, I want you to dial in with me here for the next few minutes. We're done, but I, I want you to really pay close attention. He talks about those who forsake the word of God, those who live for their own desires. And when we speak of the word judgment in the church today or outside the church in the culture, there are many people who reject the word of God in our culture who will quickly label us as being judgmental. Don't you love those? Don't judge me. Don't 
touch me. Live and let live. Okay, sirrah, sirrah, whatever will be, will be. Don't judge me. Don't matter what I do, you have no right to judge me. Do y'all ever hear that? As a preacher, I do. I've had people walk to the back door before. Y'all won't believe the thing. I've had people walk to the back door that don't know me from Adam in the past, ask for my email address, send me an email telling me that I am worse than worm dirt. I've had them say all sorts of stuff, come to the back door and say, I mean, there's nothing you can say that'd shock me. I mean, it, it might hurt me and it might disappoint me, but it won't shock me. I've seen all kinds of stuff. And there are people who would say you're judgmental. People would say you're a hate monger, that you're intolerant, or, or maybe you're ignorant and uneducated. Well, nothing's really further from the truth. But ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know something. If you're going to live very long in this life, you're going to have to make some judgments about what's right and what's wrong. Uh, just like the illustration I gave them earlier. If I went over here to the Piggly Wiggly after church, took me a card in there, Loaded me up a buggy full of groceries. It's not a cart. We're from the south. It's a buggy, right? Got me a buggy full of groceries. And I took that buggy full of groceries out to my truck, went right past the checkout line, didn't pay for a thing, didn't even pass go, say hi or nothing. Went straight to my truck, put them in the bed of my truck, and drove away. Every person in here would say, that is wrong. You are a thief. To which I could respond the way the culture does. Don't judge me. You'd say, well, man, that, that's ludicrous, Brent. I mean, you know you can't do that. And to which I would say to you in my right mind, you're absolutely right. It is wrong to steal. It is wrong to take something that doesn't belong to you. And, and, and I would be a thief and I would be responsible for the consequences of my behavior. But there's a world out there that says, just don't judge me. But what I'm saying is you have to make judgments about what's right and what's wrong. We're not hate mongers. We're not intolerant. We're not ignorant. And we're not judgmental. Uh, we really believe that it is important to uphold the truth of the word of God. And people who do so, when they speak of judgment, they do so because it is coming. And because judgment is coming, and it's not just coming, it's very near. Here's what we who love God have been changed by the power of God desire. We desire to help you avoid the destruction that awaits you if you are unprepared for the judgment that is to come. We want to help you prepare. And the way you repair is through repentance. Oh, it's important we understand that today. He uses a couple of phrases here to talk about the coming judgment. He refers to them as those who are astray. And simply put, he's saying this. Those who reject God have no future with him. They have lied to themselves. They've lied to others. But they cannot lie or fool God. Those who reject God have lived as though they're fine and they don't believe they'll ever give an account for evil. But they're wrong. He said, you put away all the wicked of the earth. The psalmist is referring to the wicked being that draw, so that residue that forms on the top of molten metal that is taken off as it's refined. But how about us? You see, the psalmist sees God judging and removing the wicked from the earth as worthless dross. Let me talk to you as a believer for a second. 
When was the last time as a believer that you asked God to reveal and remove? Oh, here's the word. That you asked God to judge. Judge who? Judge you. When's the last time you said, God, reveal, remove, and judge me. Remove from my heart anything you find that is ungodly. When's the last time we did that? Because I want you to know that's something you need to do on a regular basis. Because if not, you'll begin to accept and be okay with ungodliness. And you will even justify it as being okay. So the psalmist reveals something. He reveals the destination of the wicked and he is driven back to the scriptures and he affirms that he loves God's instructions. There are times the word of God punches me in the teeth and it's not always comfortable but I love it because God's word gives guidance. It gives instruction and here's what the psalmist is saying. I am committed to being loyal to your word. Listen, we need loyalty among the body of Christ. It begins with our loyalty to God. It spreads to our loyalty to one another as we are faithful to the call that he's placed on our life. And then notice with me finally in verse 120, the fear of the righteous. They used to tell us some. Um, when I was younger in, in the seminary days, they'd say, don't ever tell the, say the words finally or in conclusion because you're probably going to say it several times. But anyhow, so no, I'm not going to do that today. The fear of the righteous. Here's what the psalmist said. He said, my flesh trembles. You know what that literally means? The psalmist literally is saying, my humanity trembles. Why? Because there is judgment to come light of God's character that stands behind the fact that judgment comes, he's literally trembling. When's the last time you trembled at the word of God? Wow. The psalmist is talking about godly fear. This godly fear is evoked because of the greatness of God and the certainty of his judgments against evildoers. As he reveals himself, I read this, Johnny Hunt said this this week, as God reveals himself, we must fall on our faces before him. You know, today is my physical birthday. Tomorrow is my spiritual birthday. Forty years ago, tomorrow, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And I want to give you a real spiritual reason why I did that. The reason I came to Christ as a 10-year-old 10 10-year-old 10 and one-day boy is because I didn't want to go to hell. Anybody else got that same reason? Okay, thank you for your honesty. I know some of you are like, oh, I wanted to be a righteous person. No, I mean, I just, I, just, I just didn't want to go to hell. That was my first motivation to come to Christ. And I'll tell you why. Because I had a Bible-believing preacher that stood in front of me and told me and everybody in attendance that day that there was a literal place called hell, a lake of fire. I had it, I mean, my mind was turning. The picture was clear. And that the only way I could avoid that was that I had to come to Jesus and I had to admit that I was a sinner. And I had to trust Jesus Christ, him alone. And I will forever be indebted to my preacher, Burgess Austin, 
for telling me that the only way to miss hell and make heaven was through Jesus. And you know, I've said some of this before, and I said again, I, they stood to sing the invitation. It was right out of Amos 4.12. Oh, careless soul, oh, heed the warning, for your life will soon be gone. Oh, how sad to face the judgment, unprepared to meet thy God. I, I, I tremble. Did anybody else tremble before you got saved? I mean, I trembled. You know, they call it white knuckling the bench. I don't think I had any knuckles left. I mean, I was sweating like I do when I preach now, but I was sitting still in the pew. I mean, just poured sweat. My heart was beating a thousand miles an hour. I was trembling over the fact, oh, just any second, if I die today, I, I'm going to that lake of fire. And I remember going to the back door and I said, preacher, if I can come back next week, will you, get, will you, will you give me another opportunity to get saved? I remember so well there was a long line of people waiting to talk to the preacher but he got down on one knee Bill and he looked at me and he said son you know a song my words speak song song kind of like Elvis kind of that little song he said if God be on you today son then we're going to take care of that business today glory to God amen left all those people in line, walked back to the altar with an insignificant little 10-year-old boy and led me to faith in Jesus Christ. I will forever be grateful for that. You know why? Because I didn't deserve it. Can I help you with something? Neither do you. But isn't it good that even though we don't deserve it, God is faithful. And for 40 years, I, heaven has been my home. I'm a citizen according to the word of God. I'm a citizen of heaven for 40 years. And you know what? And for the past 35, I live to the end of this month, for the, March 30th, for 35 years, he's allowed me to join him in gospel ministry. I'm just a big old nobody. I understand that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not significant to nothing. If I went off the face of the earth tomorrow, it would not matter a whole lot to very many people. But I know this, God takes nobodies who's willing to go tell everybody about a somebody who can save anybody. He takes zeros and fills them full of God and he can make heroes. Listen, he didn't, Burgess had no idea, but you know what? He didn't know how to be a pastor. Didn't know, it didn't matter because I'm not, being a pastor doesn't make you anybody. He didn't know what my future was. He didn't know I had 18 years on the farm mission field in Georgia ahead of me. He didn't know any of that, but you know what he did know is that I was a little boy who realized I was a sinner and I, I, I wanted to get right with God. I'm telling you, Ladies and gentlemen, that's the kind of compassion we've got to have for this hurting world around us. Because you know what? Judgment is coming. It is real. It is near. And we need not be afraid of what others may say as to our motive when all we're doing is trying to help them miss hell and make heaven. That's it. Don't ever lose your burden for telling lost people about Jesus. Don't ever let it happen. Don't ever compromise. Don't ever be ashamed. Don't ever apologize for telling people about Jesus. Pray with me. Father in heaven, I thank you for the wonderful day 
that you saved me from my sin and made me your child. I thank you, God, for the wonderful privilege that's been mine to serve in the gospel ministry. And God, I pray that every day my motive has been clear, my heart's been fixed. And I pray, Father, that that will continue to be my testimony. And God, that it would be the testimony of every person in this building that we would be focused on doing what you've taught us to do. That we would be focused on following your will and your word. And that we would never apologize one bit for our faithfulness to what you have taught us to do. Lord, we love you. We thank you for first loving us. And help us, fathers, we engage the enemy. And help us not be afraid. Help us not be ashamed. Help us to delight in your word and in your presence. I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, I want you to look this way just a few minutes before we dismiss. A uh, couple things. One is this. If at any time, and I always say this every service, that God has spoken to your heart and made it clear you need to make decisions for him, don't feel like you can't because of our situation. I always stay and I'm not afraid for you to approach me. I want to help you. And I won't, I'm not, I won't, I'm more concerned about where you spend eternity than anything. So do remember that. Any decisions you need to make, please do that. If you need someone to call you or follow up with you, please just take the perforated section off of your worship guide right here on the side and just tear that off, fill it out, drop it in the offering buckets that are at both doors. And we will be more than happy to contact you and stay in touch with you. I want to remind you that this week, uh, Wednesday night, we're involved in a series, as I told you, Camping at Calvary. We're talking about the signboard this week, 6 o'clock. We'd love for you to be a part of that. I trust you and I together can learn much about the cross. It will help us even have a greater love and appreciation for all that our Lord has done. Two weeks from today is our Annie Armstrong offering for North American Missions, so don't forget that. It will be here soon. Uh, the new uh, Sunday school books are available in the church library. The lessons are still being recorded. Lord willing, we're praying to be able to get back to Sunday school at some point. We're just, because of small space and rooms, we're just going to have to wait a little bit. We appreciate your uh, patience with that. We appreciate the response. We've got several boxes of the literature you've brought, old and used literature, to be donated uh, to um, to be to be given away uh, here soon. Be carried to to Decatur, so do remember that. If you have others, we'll collect it through, I guess, the end of the month, Sonia, is that right? 25th, so by next Sunday. Next Sunday, if you have any further uh, literature you want to donate, please do that. We appreciate you doing that very, very much. I did think about one thing this morning. Uh, one of my most memorable Sunday birthdays was when I turned 22, so that would have been 28 years ago. And we were in the middle of the blizzard of 93. Anybody remember that? Hallelujah, right? That was, I was like, no power, no water. Woo, Lord have mercy. But anyhow, 93. So do remember that. Today, my good friend Truett Kathy, y'all ever heard of him? <laughs> yeah, Chick-fil-A guy. We share the same birthday. He would be 100 today. So, man, I was right there halfway home. And, of course, Albert Einstein, he's our other birthday buddy today. So I got brilliance and... And, and, but no, the Truett Kathy, what a great servant, what a great giver he's been. 
And today, um, y'all pray for me. I'm going to spend the afternoon with my family. They're taking me to get my favorite dish. My favorite dish under the sun is called shrimp and grits. Anybody like shrimp and grits? I love shrimp and grits. If you don't like, if you don't like shrimp and grits, you need to go to Bama Bucks and try that out. You'll be a fan. I promise you will. But no, I appreciate y'all so much, and thank you for making this day special. And uh, just grateful to God to, that I was able to be here with y'all for this special day. Don't forget today that God loves you. You know I love you. And there's not a thing in the world you can do to stop me. Amen. Let's stand together. Marty's going to sing us out. And we'll see you, Lord willing, Wednesday night. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.